uh, guests with us today, and I welcome my uh, uh, Tessa's daughter, my stepdaughter, Jean, and his son, uh, uh, Aaron, her son, Aaron, and Bella. Welcome. Good to have you guys. Good to have everybody here today. Uh, I want to give a special thank you to um, to our cleanup. You know, Mary and, and Lupe do such a great job cleaning. You guys don't realize this. On Monday, uh, they're voluntarily clean uh, all in the, the offices and on the rooms and all the everything. And uh, we're just so thankful for the work they do. Thank you, Mary and Lupe, for all the work that you do. Thank you. Amen, amen, amen. This week, we are uh, continuing in our series on stewardship. Uh, but before we do that, let's, uh, let's have a little time of prayer. And uh, you know what? I'm going to do a little bit different today. I'm going to ask, is there any, uh, well, just, uh, uh, just a couple or a few prayer requests. Anybody have a special prayer need that you would like me to pray for this morning? Yes, Connie. Okay. Yes. So we'll pray for Christopher. Okay. Very good. Anyone else have a special need you'd like to pray for? Yes, Carol. Yes. Yes. Uh, Doreen, huh? Yeah, your, your daughter Doreen. Yes. Okay, very good. And we'll just do, uh, let's just do one more for now. Okay, Brenda. Okay, okay. All right, let's, uh, let's pray for these. Did I hear right now? Jody, okay, Jody, go ahead. Uh-huh. Okay, Joaquina. Oh, okay. Okay, there's a Tricia. All right. Okay, let's go to the Lord. Okay, Brian, you got one more? Or we'll do one more. Okay. Or his driving test because his eyes are okay. We'll do that. We'll do that. Okay, everyone. Let's let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we want to lift up these requests to you this morning. We pray for Christopher, uh, Connie's son, Christopher. Lord, we just pray your Holy Spirit um, surround him and uh, uh, watch over him and just guide him, Lord. Just guide him by your Spirit. And uh, you know, as he's a new father now as well, and. Uh, you know, just give him a wisdom uh, in bringing up his child and uh, just bless him, bless him and his, uh, his family, Lord. Please, let your spirit bless him. Doreen, Father, uh, Carol's daughter, Doreen, and uh, they don't give her much more time to live. And uh, as she is uh, uh, disabled with uh, brain cancer and uh, tumor, and we just pray, uh, just let her know Jesus, Lord. That's our main prayer is that. Make, make sure, you know, help her to be sure of her salvation. Lord Jesus, present yourself to her and help her to reach out to you and know that she's saved, know that she, you are her Savior. We pray for Leon, Lord, uh, Brenda's brother Leon, uh, with his health condition, his breathing and his legs. Uh, please uh, give him your comfort and uh, give him your strength, please, for Leon. Kevin, Lord, uh, 
Jody's son leaving for Kansas this week, Father. And, uh, you know, we just pray your traveling uh, mercy, traveling protection upon him. And uh, I know Jody's going to miss him, Lord. And, uh, well, they'll be communicating, I'm sure. Uh, but uh, we just pray you keep him safe and uh, just watch over him on his, on his travels, Father. Patricia also from Utah. She's going to be traveling uh, this week, it sounds like, with the storms and everything. Uh, please watch over her. Keep her safe. And Lord, we pray for Alan's brother for his driving. He's going to take his test. And just if it's your will, Lord, help him to pass that test. Help him to be able to see clearly enough and, uh, you know, bless him in, in his test, Lord. Just give him success in his driver's test. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, now we can start our prayers, our scriptures. Okay, so we're in our third and final message of the series on stewardship. Just a review. We've talked about the stewardship, uh, being a steward of our time. We've talked about being a steward of our talents. And today, uh, finally, we're uh, talking about being a steward or a manager of our uh, treasures, of our treasures. Uh, that's what our subject is today. And one of our treasures, one of our great treasures is our family, amen? Family is treasure. Now, uh, many of you got to, many of us got to be able to be with family and uh, friends during the Thanksgiving holidays, uh, and we're blessed for that. But we also realize that holidays for those who have recently lost loved ones can be a difficult time, can be a difficult time. When um, Abraham Lincoln uh, issued the first proclamation to make Thanksgiving an, a, an annual holiday in our country. He did it uh, when our country was in a difficult time. The year was 1863. It was in the midst of the Civil War. And Lincoln made a proclamation for the entire country, not just the North, but the South as well. And he says it this way, and I'm going to read to you part of it here. Lincoln said, about Thanksgiving, I, I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and all those who are at, at sea, those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. And then he goes on to say a prayer. Remember, this is during the time of the Civil War. And he says this. He says, And I fervently implore the interposition of the Almighty hand to heal the wounds of our nation and to restore it as soon as may be consistent with the divine purposes to the full enjoyment of peace, harmony, tranquility, and union. That's Lincoln's proclamation. You know, during the midst, in the midst uh, of our national conflict, in the midst of the national conflict between North and South, he leads, he led the country to stop and to give thanks. To stop and to give thanks. Lincoln acknowledged in the midst of our nation's strife, there is a God in heaven. And there is a God in heaven and he loves us. And he loves us. He acknowledges that he, he, and he set his eyes on the one 
who can give heavenly treasure. The one that he called the beneficent, our beneficent father. He gives heavenly treasure, not a, a treasure that can be destroyed by division, but that is eternal and secure. Uh, he set his eyes on the beneficent, our beneficent father, our father who is willing to forgive when we are humbly turn and repent, says Lincoln. Our father, who Lincoln says, he has tender uh, care for those who have become widows. Remember, this is during the war. Widows, orphans, mourners, and sufferers. Lincoln talks about the treasure. Jesus, as we're going to read just now, talks about the treasure. If you, if you have a Bible with you, and we're going to show it up on the screen, we're in Matthew chapter 6. This treasure that Christ wants us to look at and to store up. And it's in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 14. And he says this, if you have a Bible with you, Matthew 6, 19 to 14. Let's go ahead and stand if you're able and willing, and we'll read this together. Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If the eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be filled with darkness. And if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Man, you may be seated. Amen. There is a God in heaven. The Bible says in the book of James, who is the giver of all good and perfect things. James 1.17. God is the giver of everything that we have. Whatever good treasure you might have, you are given, to, given it by God, and we are to manage our treasures for His purpose and for His glory. Manage your treasures for the Lord. Manage your treasures for the Lord. Be a good steward, as we learned in the last two weeks, of the things God has loaned to you. Do you remember? Everything we have is just on loan from God. The Bible says it this way, Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all those who dwell therein. It all belongs to Him. Everything we have, our time, our town, our treasure, our family, our it's all on loan. It's all on loan. We're to be stewards of the things God has loaned to us. God wants us to do two things. He requires two things from us in response to what He's given us. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. All right? The, two th the first thing is this. Of the, of the two things God wants us to, how He wants us to respond is this. He wants us to give, give Him your thanks. Give Him your thanks. Say thank you to God. 
and say thank you for everything he's given you. You know, my wife and I just celebrated our third anniversary this week, November 23rd. And um, when we first got married, my wife is a planner. And she, she just planned the whole thing. I mean, I just had to kind of sit back and let it happen. <laughs> she, she did a great job. Uh, but the theme, we were thinking about a theme for the wedding. So we knew it had to do, so had we, she loves trees. So we wanted to do something about trees. And so we were thinking about a Bible verse. And we came up with Colossians 2, 6 and 7. Because this verse has to do with having roots like a tree. And the soil that the roots are planted is, is, is in Jesus Christ himself. And it, and it goes this way. It says, as you receive Christ Jesus, so live in him, rooted and built up in him, just as you were taught, abounding with thanksgiving. So the idea is this. We're, you're rooted in Jesus Christ, and you're bearing the fruit of thanksgiving. You're abounding with it. That means you're filled with it. You're overflowing with it. You're giving him thanks all the time and for all things. Giving him your thanks. Giving Jesus Christ your thanks. But in order for that to happen, what do you need to be? You need to be aware of what you have. You and I, church family, Thank you, Cynthia, for the water. <laughs> I got my supply down there. Well, you and I have to be aware of what we have. We need to have our eyes open to what we have and give thanks to the one who has given it. Let's take a look again. We're looking at Matthew 6, 22 and 23. Jesus said this in, in verse 22 of Matthew 6, the, 6, the eye is a lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body is full of light. But if your eyes are bad... Your whole body is full of darkness. Just a few years ago, just a few years ago, you see, here's the point. If your eyes are good, the light comes in and you can see clearly. But if your eyes are bad, uh, the light does not come in and all you have is darkness and, and, and all you're left with is darkness. Just a few years ago in Britain, they, they did a test. They did an experiment, and it's an extreme experiment on six volunteers. And uh, they had them individually go into this underground chamber, a bunker, and uh, it was as big as a, only a prison cell. There, each one would go in there separately for 48 hours. There was no, not only was it dark, it was pitch black. You couldn't see a thing. Not only can you not see, but it was totally silent. This was an experiment on the deprivation, uh, sensory deprivation, where you could not see, you could not hear. And uh, the test was this. Could a human being, could any human being endure such total sense deprivation without losing their sanity? And so one, one, who, would, who would be brave enough or foolish enough to undergo such an ordeal voluntarily? Well, there was one man by the name of Alan Bloom, 37 years old, who thought he could. So he, went, he, he volunteered. And after he, experienced, after he went through this experience, after they slammed the door shut on him, he's in total pitch black. He, after he finished this whole experience, he wrote 
about this experience and what happened to him in that uh, bunker, in that chamber underground with no sound, with no light. And he said this. He said, the first half an hour in the bunker, I spent talking, singing, making jokes. But it was, it was quite, it was, I, I quickly became bored. In the absence of a watch or sunlight, I totally lost time, track of time. I dozed on and off, but I had no idea whether it was day or it was night. At one point, I started singing, and then I burst into tears. I can't remember the last time I cried. After 40 hours uh, bloom, he began to hallucinate. He says this. He says, I felt as though the room was taking off from underground, from underneath me. But then, he says, for the first time, I realized that the lack of stimulation, remember this is a test in sensory deprivation, the lack of stimulation was driving me close to insanity. But then, Bloom had an unexpected outcome of this whole experiment. And here's what, here's what it was. It was an outcome of gratitude. He said this. He explains the difference but, uh, from the time before he went into the bunker and the time when he came out of the bunker. And he says it this way. When we, ar when we arrived at the bunker before the experiment, I thought it was all rather bleak. The ex exterior was all, uh, all overgrown, and the bunker was an eyesore. But when I left 48 hours, when I left after 48 hours, I noticed the green, the green, how green the grass was, how blue the sky was, and hundreds of yellow buttercups. It was a, st it was staggeringly beautiful. Even washing my hands in the faucet was amazing. You see, he's. He became aware of things he hadn't noticed or hadn't seen before. His eyes were opened by the light. Jesus says when your eyes are good, when your eyes are good, your whole body is filled with light. Verse 22, when your eyes are healthy, you understand Spiritually speaking, you understand uh, what God has given you. You see the world from God's point of view. When your eyes are good, your eyes are fixed upon the giver of all that you have. What is it, James 1.17? God is the giver of all good and perfect things. We just need to be aware of it. Not only to be aware, but to appreciate. Appreciate, not only be aware of what you have, but appreciate what you have. Adam Bloom said about this experience in the chamber. After he came out, he says this. He says, I made a vow. I would never again ignore and not appreciate my surroundings. He learned to have an attitude of gratitude. Abraham Lincoln had an attitude of gratitude. In the midst of our nation's darkest hour, his spiritual eyes were healthy. They were weary. They were filled with the pain of war, but they were healthy. And he looked to the one who was his hope and his strength with an attitude of gratitude. 
He looked and he did not forget. He did not forget the one. You know, and he, and he, and he gave thanks to God. This, the, the time of thanksgiving, the, the gratitude, giving thanks and praise to God. This was a healing for Lincoln. This was a healing balm, a healing ointment. Gratitude. One great preacher said it this way. Gratitude is a vaccine. It is an antitoxin. It is an antiseptic. What does he mean? It helps to heal the soul. A, a, a thankful heart. When you're thanking God, there's a, God your, your heart is in the right place. When you're thanking God with a heart of gratitude, it heals you. Not only does it heal you, but the effect that it has on your thinking is that it fights off poisons and diseases in your thought life. Having an attitude of gratitude for the one who gives us all good and perfect things. Manage your treasures for the Lord. To do that, we must not forget, as Lincoln did not forget, where we've got the things that we have and who to give thanks. You know, in the Old Testament, before God led the people of Israel into the promised land, he gave them a warning. Deuteronomy chapter 8. You can turn there if you like. Moses, we're going to look at a few verses there. Moses uh, spoke, God spoke through, through Moses to the people of Israel to warn them not to forget. To warn them not to forget. And it says this in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. It begins this way. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. God is saying, remember, don't forget what I've led you through to humble you and to give you strength. It continues on. He continues on. And he says it this way. In verse 10 and 11, he says this. He says, when you have eaten. Now he's talking about once you've entered that promised land. Once you've tasted the fruit. Once you've been blessed with all the heavenly, all these blessings of the land. He says, once you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he's given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord. Your God failing to observe his commands his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. How easy it is for us when things are going good huh, to forget the Lord. I mean, a lot of times we're driven to it in our suffering, but when the things are, are going good, sometimes we have that tendency to forget. God says not to let that happen. Don't let that happen. Uh, do not forget. He continues on. He continues on and says this in verses 17 and 18. And by the way, these, these warnings aren't just for the Israelites, they're for us today. Verse 17 and 18, he says it this way. He says, you may, you may say to yourself, my power and my strength and my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God, for he, it's he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Somebody might say, well, why should I thank God for my food? I earned it. I paid for it. Well, that's true. You might have earned it. You might have paid for it. But it's somebody to give you the ability to earn it and to pay for it. Amen? Do not forget. Do not forget the Lord, your God. 
Remember him. Remember him. And the last and the final warning Moses gives to the people of Israel, if you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. You see, there are consequences for forgetting the Lord. Instead of forgetting the Lord, we, re we need to remember to give him thanks. We need to remember to give him thanks. What does the Bible say? Ephesians 5.20, always and for everything give thanks. Don't forget, but give him thanks. Give him thanks for all that he has given you. And then use, not only thank him with your lips, but thank him with using the things that he's given you. Use them to serve him and to serve others. Have an attitude of gratitude. Appreciate. Appreciate. The Bible says in Acts chapter 17, God is the giver of our life, our breath, and everything we have. So my question to you is this. What are you doing with what you have? Appreciate. Appreciate. Appreciate him. Appreciate what he's given you. And use it for his glory. So our first uh, uh, requirement from the Lord for what he has given to us is that we give him thanks. Give him thanks. Secondly, secondly, what God wants from us uh, in response to what he's given us is this. Give him your heart. Give him your heart. What does it say in verse 19 and 20 back in Matthew 6? It says this. It says... Do not store up for yourself treasures in there on earth where moths and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up your treasures in heaven where th moths and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. What is Jesus saying? What is Jesus saying? He's saying this. Don't get too attached to your worldly possessions. Don't get possessed by your possessions. Don't be defined by your possessions, your worldly possessions. Store your treasure in heaven. Don't store it here on earth. Store it in heaven. Luke chapter 12, Jesus tells us about two brothers that were fighting. They were fighting over the inheritance their father had given to them. And one of the brothers comes up to Jesus and, he's, and, he, and he asks them to help, this, help them in this quarrel that they're having. And it's in Luke chapter 12, and Jesus says this. Jesus tells the man, and he talks to him, and he says this in verse 14. He says, man, who appointed me a judge over an, or an arbiter between the two of you? Then he says these very deep and cutting words, and I want us to remember this. He says, first he says, watch out. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. And here comes the sentence I want you to remember. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Uh, it doesn't consist. A man's, your life doesn't consist. In what, it's not about what all the things you can get. Life is about things that matter to God. Things that have eternal value. That's what life is about. It's not about the abundance of your possessions. So store your treasure in heaven where, where, where things do not fade, 
where, where things do not wear out, where things do not disappear, where things are eternal with the Lord. Store your treasure in heaven and delight yourself, not in the things on earth, but delight yourself, delight your heart in the Lord. Delight your heart in the Lord. Know his love, know his joy, and make him the most valued thing in your life. Be careful not to, be careful about having misplaced values where your heart, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be also. Misplaced values leads your heart being in the wrong places. Value the things that are above. You know, what you value most controls your life whether you know it or not. What you value most influences the decisions you make in your life. What you value most. Do not store your treasure on earth, store it in heaven. We live in a materialistic society. Most people uh, uh, spend their lives collecting and storing material things. And then when they die, if they're not a believer, all those things are gone and they're lost. Jesus tells the story in Luke chapter 11 about the rich fool, a farmer who was a rich man. He had a lot of harvest. He had a lot of grain. And he says, you know, what shall I do? I have a problem. I got so much. My barns won't even, it won't fit in all the barns I've got. What am I going to do? He says, I know what I'll do. He says, I'm going to tear down the barns and I'm going to build new ones. And then I'm going to have so much grain, I'm just going to kick back for years and years and eat and drink and be merry. And then God comes up on the scene. And then God speaks. And he says this. You fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then, who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. Store your treasure in heaven, not on earth. Jesus is telling us. What does it say, Matthew 16, 26? What good is it if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? Store your treasures in heaven, not on earth. A pastor, O.S. Hawkins, says it this way in these sobering words about being stewards of our treasures. And he says this. And remember, steward is simply, is simply one who, who cares for something that belongs to someone else. And everything we have belongs to God. Let's not forget. He says this, we're nothing more than stewards. Everything we possess will be in someone else's hands in a few years. The land we own today was in someone else's name a few years previously. We own nothing. We are simply stewards passing through. We, can, we came into the world naked and with nothing, and we're going to leave it the same way. Keep control, he says, of your possessions. Hold them loosely so they do not control you. Hold your possessions loosely so they do not control you. Store your treasures in heaven, not on the earth. Don't delight your heart 
in your earthly possessions. Delight your heart in the Lord. Not only delight your heart in the Lord, but devote your heart. Devote your heart to the Lord. Verse 24, back in Matthew 6, Jesus says this. He says it this way. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and money. Serve God, not money. Give him your heart. Give God your heart to show your love for him. You know, giving, giving is what love does. Giving is what love does. Giving originated from the heart of God. That's how we know what love is. The Bible says that he is a giver of all good and perfect things. God so loved the world that he what? Gave. He gave. What did he give? He gave his son. Why did he give his son? He gave his son so whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God sent his son to save those who would believe in him. And he did it because he loved us. He gave because he loved. God gave of himself and he gave from himself when he gave us his son. That's what love does. If we're to love God... We show that love by giving of ourselves. That's how love is expressed. Giving. Giving to Him. Giving. How can we show our devotion to God? We're to, we're to devote our hearts to, God, hearts to God, but how can we show that devotion? Well, give to God. Give Him your time every day. Give Him your time. Have that time of devotion with God. Have a time of prayer. Have a time of in His Word. Spend time with God. Give Him that time. How can we show our devotion to God? Give Him your obedience with the talents that He's given you. Give Him your obedience in using what you have to serve Him and to serve others in His name. How can we show our devotion to God? Give Him back a portion of the treasure. That he's given to you. What is that portion to, supposed to be? What is our portion that we're supposed to give to God? Well, the Old Testament had laws that gave, that told us that we are to give tithe, that they were to give tithe. The tithe means a tenth. A tithe they were given they were to give a tithe of their produce and of their income to the Lord. A tithe now. In the New Testament, there are no explicit commands about tithing. But Jesus does endorse the practice. Matthew 23, 23, Jesus endorses tithing. Tithing is something that I do. Tithing is something we encourage all of our church members to do. But the principle in New Testament giving is this. It's, it, we're to give cheerfully. We're to, give, we're to give generously, we're to give systematically, and we're to give from our heart. Because here's the thing. When you give to the Lord your, your treasures, your, 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 your offering to God, you are, you are worshiping Him. It's an act of worship. You're, you're, you're worshiping God, acknowledging that He is the giver of everything that you have. So you're giving. You know, I love, 
uh, Cynthia told me this week a story about her, how she learned to tithe as a little girl. And her, she, she, she told me she would work at her grandparents' uh, uh, fruit stand, her and her cousins. And every day, at the end of the day, her grandmother would take the cookie tin where they put all the money, and she'd add up everything they made that day, and then she'd take out 10% as a tithe unto the Lord. That's how Cynthia learned about tithing. Devoting yourself to the Lord. Giving to the Lord as an act of love. Give your heart to the Lord, delighting in Him, uh, uh, delighting in Him and being devoted to Him. Give your heart to the Lord. So we're to manage, manage your treasures for the Lord, giving Him your thanks, being aware of what you have. Don't have eyes that are in the dark like Alan Bloom in that chamber. But have your eyes, uh, let your eyes be in the light where you see what God has given to you and appreciate what you have. Have an attitude of gratitude. Don't forget. Don't forget the Lord like the Israelites were commanded not to forget when they got on that promised land. And then give him your heart. Give him your heart. Delight your heart in the Lord, in the things above, not on the worldly possessions. The rich fool learned that the day he was going to die. Love the Lord. Be delighted in the Lord. And devote your heart to the Lord. God shows us love. By giving. Give back to Him in a way of loving Him. That's how we love the Lord and be devoted to Him. Abraham Lincoln set aside a special day for Thanksgiving and to praise for God. In that difficult, difficult hour of the Civil War, we couldn't even imagine. He looked to our Father in Heaven. He is our healer. He is our provider. He is the one who has given us all that we have that we may use it to worship Him and to bring Him glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that You are uh, the giver of all good and perfect things. And the most good and perfect thing that You have given us is Your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for the, what, we, what we have. And thank you that we can look to you and, 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 and give you our thanks and, and worship you and love you by devoting ourselves to you and giving back. Lord, help us all to, uh, to, to, to remember to give you thanks at all times, to be managers of the treasures that you have given us, not to hold on to them too tightly because they can easily be, be gone. But to remember, they're all gifts from you, including our family, all gifts from you. Lord, lead us, lead us to thank you, to be devoted to you, to love you. In Jesus' name we pray.